Well, yeah. When, when, you, uh, when you plan a sermon series and you have your plans for what you're going to preach on a few weeks ahead of time, this was not the morning I was expecting uh, when Danny gave me a little schedule and said, here are some, some dates we're looking at. And, um, but I think actually the, the word I'm going to preach this morning is really important in these days for us to get hold of. Um, we're looking at this uh, series, Customized Faith. We're in a generation where we, we just pick a mix. We have a Jesus of our own making. Uh, that's the culture of this world. Underneath, deeply rooted, we want to be disciples of, of Jesus. Today I'm going to speak about transformation on my terms. That's the challenge that we, uh, we face. This week, my, my, uh, our, our little study is just, just behind this wall here. I, I sit in a study with Danny and Kaz, so with Nathan on Tuesdays. Uh, and anyone else that wants to pop in, uh, there was a knock on the door earlier this week, two ladies who were positively glowing, and they said, is this where I can get my spray tan? Uh, and I, I said, uh, yeah, I, I responded, I said, I beg your pardon? And they said, we've, we've come for the spray tan. I said, oh, okay. Um, uh, and I began to explain, like I often do to people that wander in, uh, say, well, we're a local church, we run this community center, we have lots of different groups that... That, that rent space from us, that serve the community. But I'm not, I'm not sure. We're, maybe Neil's got a new sideline now uh, that I don't know about. It's possible. I mean, he's an amazing entrepreneur. Uh, perhaps you pop in, pop in for your chocolate boxes and Bible gifts and you get a spray tan. I don't know how it works. It turns out the council are doing some, some training for back to work post-COVID for trying to trigger entrepreneurialisms. And they're running some funded courses here. You, they did some for nails. They did some for people that are trying to start beautician-type businesses. That's amazing, isn't it? That was going on here. I thought, I wonder if I hang around in the corridor long enough, maybe, maybe I can get a hair transplant um, or get something done with these lines. Or maybe I can get some, some fat reduction without having to challenge any of my lifestyle choices, the way I eat, my attitude to exercise or aging. It, it could just be done easily, can't it? And I think as we think about transformation on my terms, it's the default setting of our culture isn't it? Um, but behind it is a, actually, we, we laugh, uh, can you get a spray tan at the Caris Center? But there's a heart issue behind it about how we live as very intentionally and deliberately as disciples of, of Jesus. Blaise Pascal, the incredible spirit-filled mathematician and believer in Jesus, said this, God made man in his own image a man returned the favor. God made man in his own image. A man returned the favor. In other words, we make the kind of God that we want. We make a God of our shape, a God that ends up looking like us. Uh, occasionally, as a younger man, I used to look in the mirror and think, hey, you're doing pretty well in life, pal. Um, but honestly, I don't want a God that looks like me. I don't want a God that lives like me. I don't want a God that has my limited strength, my limited wisdom, my capacity for failure and sin and letting people down. I don't want a God in my image. Uh, and yet so often that's what we produce. Exodus 32, it'll be on the, on the slide. Isn't it lovely having beautiful sunny days so you can't quite see the screen. Exodus 32. Um, God's led his people out of slavery in Egypt, uh, miraculously brought them through the Red Sea, and uh, now slowly they're making their way through the wilderness towards the promised land. Moses is called up the mountain to meet with the God who's rescued them. God's going to give them instructions, um, and he's promising to be with them. But while he's up the mountain, verse 1 of Exodus 32, when the people saw Moses was so long in coming down the mountain, they gathered round Aaron and they said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. 
Aaron answered them, Take off your gold earrings that your wives and sons and daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they'd handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. It's a, it's a stunning moment. Um, Moses is up the mountain meeting with the God who's actually rescued them. And he's receiving instructions for how, if they just will walk with him, how they'll flourish under his care and in his hand. But the people don't want to wait. They react like we all do. I'm not sure I want that kind of leadership. So they take off their earrings. Imagine if we did this this morning. This is what happened. This is your God that brought you out of Egypt. Later on in verse 24, Moses is confronting Aaron. And I don't know if Aaron is just being defensive like we all get, uh, making excuses, or whether he really has believed his own kind of false narrative. We can help ourselves believe anything in the end, can't we? Fake news, all that kind of stuff. Um, but when Moses confronts him, Aaron says, well, the, the people gave me their jewellery, like, like they forced it on me, and I just threw it in the fire, and whoa, out popped this golden calf. How did that happen? Oh, it's a complete lie. We, we read in those first two verses, he, he took a tool. He was a craftsman. He, he shaped it deliberately. It was not like he said to Moses, friends, idolatry doesn't just happen. It doesn't happen by mistake. Um, we create it. We shape it. We fashion it. We craft it in our lives. In the end, it begins with a heart decision that I don't fully want to trust all of God's ways for my life and all of God's plans for my life. And that sinful heart at the root of things begins to affect the surface and the practice of my Christian discipleship. We throw it all together and we produce a golden calf of Christianity. Well, how did that happen? How did I get this outrageous area in my life when I'm supposed to be a Christian? It starts down here in our hearts. Real authentic transformation, not on my terms, in our lives. It doesn't come from a, a casual man-shaped approach to God. Our hearts will always deceive us like Aaron's did. We, we need an awareness of who Jesus is, um, his holiness. They, they put their earrings in the fire. We, the, the Bible speaks about the fire of holiness. There was fire later that came down on the tabernacle and the, the temple. This is a fire that truly transformed our hearts, that gives us a, a Christ-likeness that we can't produce on our own. Our own fire, it's not hot enough. It just produces a lukewarm compromise. We, we've got sinful hearts. We'll always make a golden calf rather than bow before our saviour if we're left to ourselves. What does true transformation on Jesus' terms look like? Jump through to the New Testament with me. Luke's Gospel. You find this uh, encounter with Jesus in some of the other Gospels as, as well. Um, Luke 18. Um, just pick up from verse 18. It's the story of, the, uh, of the, the rich ruler. A certain ruler asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Just pausing there, putting my own brackets in. How, how, we, how are we doing on that? This reflection of God's heart. Just a question. Asking myself too. The man says, all these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. Then Jesus when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have. Can I hear you say everything you have? Go on, just say it again with a bit of conviction. 
It's, it's a scary phrase, isn't it? Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Matthew's account of this encounter calls him a, a, a young man, a young ruler. Uh, and actually, um, it says when he, when he heard this, and I didn't read that verse, did I? When he heard this, he was very sad. Yeah, verse 23, because he was a man of great wealth. In Matthew's account, it says he went away sad. So this man encountered Jesus with all the liberating life and hope that Jesus was ready to bring to him. And he couldn't quite step into it fully enough. And not only did he not receive it, but he walked away from Jesus sad. He wanted eternal life. He wanted a relationship with God. He wanted to be right with God. That's his question when he comes to Jesus. But he didn't want to do the one thing that went against his plan, his scheme for his life. For him, it was the idol of his financial wealth. He wasn't able to put that aside to trust fully in Jesus Christ. He can keep the law of Moses. Um, you can live a good life. You can try to be good. All these things only point us to, to God. They don't make you right with God. For you and I, it may not be the same idol as this young man here, but all of our other ways that we rely on in life, when we come to Jesus, we lay them down. My very heart needs transforming in Jesus Christ because the Bible says I'm a sinner and I'm in need of God's mercy. I don't bring anything to the table that I can continue on into my new relationship with Jesus. The one thing I truly need is transformation in Jesus. I can't do it for myself. I must come empty-handed and lay everything else down in order to know him. I, I, I know for me and it'll be true for you as well. So often we've lived superficially. We've not measured um, ourselves closely and honestly enough. We don't often do that against God's holy standards. Well, here's God's holy standard. Here am I kind of trying to be quite good standards. We don't do that very often. The Bible says we're all sinners and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Um, however hard we try and fool ourselves with our facade of Christianity. This young man here is invited into a life of worship with Jesus. The doorway to a life of worship with Jesus for him is his heart for money, his dependence on money. For you and me, maybe it's the same thing. Maybe it's another idol. This is true for all of us. Jesus wants first place in our hearts. We can follow Jesus into true transformation or we can try and do it on our own terms and we customize. We get a golden calf. We fool ourselves. Just look at the word, anyone with me? It's not a sermon for many amens this morning, is it? Um, at this point, I should have a funny story for you, but I, I still haven't quite got over the, uh, uh, the, the, the spray tan. Um, the word transformation is in, important. Um, the world's great at makeovers, um, superficial surface cover-up. Um, we, uh, we got through Storm Eunice, the jungle tots hut uh, that we use for our, our kind of uh, parent and toddler outreach work. It's still standing. Um, we, we, we could... We could um, reclad and paint the Jungle Tots hut again this spring and summer, but it'd just be a cover-up job. Und underneath, it's, it's rotten. It's not fit for purpose. It doesn't need tidying up. It needs absolute transformation. If, if we're, if we're going to run ministry uh, that serves and reaches uh, young families across the town, a super a superficial do-up job isn't enough. That's something to pray, actually, that, that God would give us a way forward on that. The, the Bible shows us two different types of transformation. One is superficial and shallow. 
like we could do with a bit of gaffer tape and, and, and nail on a few more bits of plywood on the Jungle Tots hut. It's shallow, it's worldly. And, and often that, that's the place of transformation that our hearts go to and stop. Or there's another type of transformation, one that's deep and lasting and rooted in Jesus. You know which one I'm going to encourage us to go for today? <laughs> can you guess? There's a plot spoiler. Romans 12, turn with me there, please, if you can. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, I urge you, it's urgent, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Or some translations say this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Everything we're speaking about. You remember two, three weeks ago, Dave and Al helping us understand a little bit about the belief tree, where our roots are. All of it says in big capital letters, do not conform, disciple, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Our roots go into something much deeper. Then... Paul says to the church in Rome, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Wow, what a verse. What a verse that is. The context, Paul's writing to new believers in Jesus in Rome. There's not been a church there for long. Nero is probably the emperor, and there are some pretty bad examples of uh, political leadership around the world right now. I don't think any of them come near to Nero. I'm not making a joke about that. He was a terrible leader. Uh, These people were becoming born again. Again, under his leadership, in his culture, a strongly pagan culture, if, I, if it's possible, an even more highly uh, multi-sexualized culture than we live in today, a culture that worshipped wealth and power, that was divided on race, um, that had many gods and no gods. It sounds like us today in the 21st century, doesn't it? People are being born again into Jesus in this context. Does Paul say, hey, Just clean up a bit on the outside and and start to behave a bit different and and start to look a little bit more like Jesus. But, you know, behind closed doors at home, you can carry on as you want. No, he doesn't. He says, be transformed. Do not conform. There's a command. Okay? He doesn't advise us. (laughs) This is like the COVID era when we were getting, don't leave the house. Wear a mask. We're now in the era of, hey, do what you think seems best to you. Okay? Paul's not writing that way. He's writing urgent instructions. I urge you. Do not conform and be transformed. They're not, they're not uh, phrases that you can say, I'll, I'll take those under advisement, as our American friends would say. No, they are commands. We sit up and we obey them. Uh, be transformed, he says. Uh, that word, uh, the Greek word that is translated transformed in our Bibles, metamorphosis, is such a good word that the English didn't even bother to translate it from the Greek. We just, we just use it, we hijacked it in our own language. We use it to speak of, for example, the change from a little, ugly, grubby, fat caterpillar to a beautiful butterfly. That's a metamorphosis. Be transformed. That's the word Paul's using here. I heard a story once about two caterpillars on a on a leaf, let's call them Ben and Jude. And uh, Ben and Jude were on a leaf on a lovely summer's day, chewing away at the very leaf they're standing on. That's how dumb caterpillars are. Uh, and uh, and uh, out of the sunshine comes this beautiful, heavenly creature with these colorful wings, and it's just effortlessly flying past them. This butterfly, they've never seen anything like it. And Ben turns to Jude and says, hey, Jude, you'll never catch me going up in one of those. Um, 
That's, this, this metamorphosis, this transformation is so spectacular. It's so other from what we were to begin with. There's no turning back. There's no evidence of the old nature being carried forward into the new. Um, it, it's a completely different creature. Um, and again, the way to this transformation or metamorphosis is in verse 1. Offer yourselves to God, Romans 12, 1, as a living sacrifice. That's really strong language. We had the lukewarm fire of Exodus 32 that produced a golden calf. Here's the fire of holiness. You come into Jesus and you're completely transformed. You give up your life, a living sacrifice. Burn up the old life. Die to yourself. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he uses a different analogy about like a new birth. If, anyone's in, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. The old caterpillar is not there anymore. Here's this new butterfly, metamorphosis, this transformation in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18, the same word metamorphosis is used to describe our ongoing change in Jesus Christ as his followers. We, 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 we are transformed and we go on being transformed. It's a present Continuous. Paul writes to the Corinthian church there. He says, you're going to be transformed from one degree of glory to another as you look to Jesus. Wow, there are degrees of glory that we can be transformed in as we cooperate with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And one day there's this ultimate glory when in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we'll be made like him. Oh, wow, when he appears. Hallelujah. And so there's this metamorphosis that goes on. It's so deep. It's like a new creation, a new birth. And yet it's continuous. It's ongoing. It's growing. We're reflecting uh, day after day the shining glory of Jesus in our gradually transforming lives. And we do that not by working it out ourselves, but by looking to Jesus, by offering our lives to him. When Paul writes to the, in that 2 Corinthians passage, he's giving a contrast of Moses around the time we read in Exodus 32. Moses came down the mountain having met with God. His face was shining so much that he pulled a veil over his face. Um, it was so bright. He hid his face. But it says the further he moved away uh, from the mountain, the more the glory faded, like my spray tan has done by the time I've got to Sunday. But listen to the, the beautiful promises of the New Testament. Now in Jesus Christ... Now for us, brothers and sisters, with the promise of the never leaving Holy Spirit, we get to live, as, live for Christ as those who are day by day being filled and keep on being changed and never have to fade back to the old. This is what the new covenant in Jesus opens up for us. He's made a way for us to walk into a transformation that is so much deeper than just a surface makeover job. So we've got this word metamorphosis for this new birth, new creation, deep heart change in Jesus. But the, the Greek word is, a, there's another Greek word in the New Testament used for transformed. Stay with me here if you worry we're getting technical. Just stay with me, it's worth it. 2 Corinthians 11 um, there's a different metamorphosis to the word that is used in Romans 12. In 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15, Paul's speaking. He's warning the church. He's saying, hey, there will be false apostles that come in amongst you and deceive you. Um, and I wonder, because false apostles come from Satan, who uh, himself uh, tried to pretend he was an angel of light. He's the father of all deceivers. Paul uses the word transform, but it's not metamorphosis. It's a slightly different word. It's, in the Greek, it's metaschema. He's saying these deceivers are transforming themselves into apostles, just like Satan transformed himself into an angel of light. He's using a different word because they didn't really transform themselves into apostles. 
not like metamorphosis where you or I are transformed into amazingly the likeness of Jesus. That's not what's happening here. This is a surface transformation. Some translations say they disguise themselves as apostles, just as Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. It's speaking about a surface change, a disguise. It's all front. Paul says these apostles, these false apostles, they're actors. They may look and sound like the real thing, but what's going on beneath the surface in their heart, under the, under the costume? Um, this is something they've produced in their own lives. It's a scheme, meta-schema. I, I could say, I am just like Billy Graham in my ministry, and I could hold up my Billy Graham mask. And you might be fooled if I could do the Billy Graham beautiful accent. I could maybe print some of his sermons off the internet and I could read them out to you in his beautiful uh, American baritone voice and I could ask you to get up out of your seats and come to the front. You, you may for a moment think, is that, is that Billy Graham amongst us? But you would know. It's a meta schema. It's a disguise. It, it's, it's an act. It's a, it's a front that I've put up in front of me. Satan will always look to um, counterfeit the authentic, transforming work of the Spirit by offering us a substitute, an outward change, a meta schema in place of the inner heart change, a metamorphosis. I think so much, as I reflect on it, of the, of the change and the transformation in our lives actually is, is on this, this level. We don't go deeper. So many of the plans the world offers us, that promise to change our lives and satisfy us, they're at the, at the meta schema level, whether it's a, a new diet, a new fitness regime, probably even some of the ways I approach Bible reading plans. Friends, if, if it depends on me to keep doing something or to stop doing something where I begin to look a bit different on the outside, but, but it offers no change to my heart internally, even though I want a transformed Romans 12 kind of heart, but I want to be transformed on my own terms. I'm not offering myself fully and completely to Jesus Christ. It's a meta schema, not a metamorphosis. And so we always get the outward change but we neglect to come to Christ for the inner change and we end up with a golden calf in our lives. This is the kind of transformation that puts me at the center. Remember, this is a teaching on customized faith. I'm seeking my own kind of spirituality on, on my terms through my control. It's meta schema to use this, this Bible verse. It's all disguise. Uh, it's a surface scheme. We're no different to the people back in Exodus who threw their jewellery in the fire and out popped this golden calf. God's so close to us, just as he was with a young ruler, inviting us into a relationship with him. But we are invited to bow, to repent, to die, to offer ourselves in sacrifice while he is doing the work uh, himself, bringing us to new life, new birth with him at the center. That's true transformation on his terms. So much of what we can do as churches can be, we can, it happened particularly through the COVID era when we we're all online, we can pump out Christian content, lots of good teaching, we're, we're trying to help people, but we, so much of it is on the surface, it's on, it's on this level, it affects, it deals with behaviours and the outer, if you remember Dave and Al's belief tree, the, the fruit on the stuff on the top, but not the roots that go down below the ground, we, we end up Christianising people's lives, this shiny veneer. Uh, 
um, effectively offering people self-help programs and uh, special apps and courses. And it's all well-intentioned, but it's meta-schema. It's not metamorphosis. Uh, all that kind of seven steps to the new you and live your best life for Jesus. And uh, actually, the, there's only one step to live your best life for Jesus. There's only one message. And we find it all the time in the scriptures. Repent. There's the message. Repent. We're sinners. We need to repent. We need to turn to Jesus. Repent and be baptized. Um, die to your old life. That's the message. Die to every other angle, every other solution, every other disguise, every other front you might put up and give everything to Jesus Christ wholly and completely. Otherwise, it's just surface. It's just disguise. It hasn't touched my heart. It hasn't changed me. And it results, instead of the transformation that we find in Romans 12, in a kind of pseudo-spirituality. And that may have been okay when we thought Britain was a Christian nation, but it's not going to be okay anymore in the next generation. It's not okay in Ukraine right now. How come those believers that we're praying for uh, are staying in their city, are praising God, are, are seeing kingdom opportunities, are leading people to Jesus, are healing the sick, are caring for the poor and the wounded? How come right now? That's not some outer Christianized veneer that they've carried. They are demonstrating that they are believers that have had a deep heart level transformation in Jesus Christ. They are rooted in him so that when the storms come and the wind blows, their transformation is not stolen uh, away from them. Brothers and sisters, we need this place in our lives of deep inner change through the power of the Holy Spirit given to us freely and amazingly by the grace of our crucified saviour. We've been singing about it this morning. Not something that we've just picked off the shelf and added to our lives to make us feel a little bit better. Are you still with me? Yeah. I'm, I'm speaking to myself today. I'm here to ask us today, what kind of transformation are you building your life on? Is it this Romans 12 metamorphosis? Or is it your, your Christian disguise on your terms it won't cut it it won't last the rich young ruler Jesus let me move to a conclusion we can pray before our children come in the rich young ruler came to Jesus he saw him maybe just as a he says good teacher he's just another teacher hey you've got a really cool I've followed some of your insta live streams Jesus you've got a real cool philosophy on on life I really enjoyed some of your podcasts I shared your TED talk with some friends, Jesus. It was amazing. It really touched me in a deep way. You know how we talk these days. Uh, it was inspirational. I've got a t-shirt with your face on, Jesus. All that kind of stuff. I used to have Che Guevara. Now I have Jesus on a, on a t-shirt. I love what you said about the poor. I love what you said about the peacemakers. That's beautiful, Jesus. But that answer you gave me about my money, uh, that wasn't the answer I was expecting. And Jesus is Lord. Lordship is never the answer we are expecting. Um, I've got this issue, Jesus. I really need your help and your blessing with it right now. Great, Jesus says. Give me your whole life. Oh, no, I was just thinking about this part of my life. Jesus, not that part. I don't want you to, to have control. No, give me your whole life, Jesus says. The Bible is full of those kinds of stories where people are invited to take Jesus as Lord or like the rich young ruler here to walk away sad. 
I was speaking with a friend recently who's saying, will you pray with me? I want God to bless my life in my work. I want to progress. I want to succeed. Good prayers to pray. And as I was praying with him, I just felt God nudge me and say, hey, you're living with a woman who's not your wife. Marry your girlfriend. Honor God with your body. Honor her uh, as a woman before God. Honor him in your sexual relationship. Trust him in all of your life, not just the parts that you think you choose to give to God. Friends, we need detoxing from the way our culture lives. This pick and mix. I'll ask God to bless me here, but, but I, I don't want him to work in that area of my life. If we do that, we just end up with meta-schema. We just end up with the disguise and the surface, and we miss the opportunity for true transformation. Jesus is not Lord of his life in this Luke 18 story. Which transformation are we going to have? Which Jesus will we follow? There's something deeper for us as we come to Jesus. Um, He becomes everything to me. He's not just another lifestyle choice or belief. Last week, last Saturday, I was in Oxford with Kaz. And I stood on the, there's a cross in the middle of a, a, a busy road in Oxford um, that just marks the point. It's hard to spot if you don't know it's there where one of my heroes, Thomas Cramner and Nicholas Ridley and Hugh Latimer gave up their lives and were burned at the stake for their faith in Jesus in 1556 under uh, another, another despot of a ruler, Bloody Mary, we call her, because of the blood that she said. They only needed to say in their generation that they were back away from the gospel of grace and from these beautiful New Testament values that we enjoy so freely. They only needed to say that I'll just continue to follow the Catholic faith and a faith of works and idols and they would have been allowed to grow into old age and live their lives quietly, but they gave up their lives for the gospel. Praying for John Yanchis earlier, what makes a man like him endure interrogation by the, uh, by the police in the communist era without giving up his faith? What makes a man like that risk his life to go out to villages to give out portions of the scriptures because people don't have Bibles? What makes people make these kinds of choices? You don't make these kinds of choices if Jesus is just customized or compartmentalized in your life. It's a true heart change. Paul said, I consider everything loss because of the all-surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. That's our prayer this morning. Will you stand with me? I think our children are going to come back in a moment. I'd like us to pray. I think over communion we'll have more time to pray and share stories. Lord Jesus, we want to know you. We don't want this disguise. We want true heart change. We don't want to hold anything back. You're our Lord. That means you're our master. Uh, You're our ruler. You're our king. We invite you to come completely into our lives as Lord and ruler today. We want this life in you with true, deep, heart level, transforming, uh, loving leadership. We don't want to be those that sing romantic songs on a Sunday with our hands in the air, but by Monday we're taking over control of our own lives again. We don't want to pretend, Lord, we, we don't want to live in this generation with a surface Christianity that is sniffed out by our friends and neighbours as being hypocritical. We want to be like you, Jesus, full of your life, loving, kind, welcoming, accepting, um, uh, reaching out to the poor and the lost, impacting society, but with a fire of holiness and integrity and faithfulness to the scriptures. We can't do that ourselves, Lord. Uh, and this morning we repent of all our, all our facades, all our disguises. Wow. Yeah, I'm thinking of uh, 
Jacob and Esau where he, he dressed in his brother's clothes to come to his father and steal his brother's inheritance. Lord, we come before you. We're, we're naked. You, you spot all our attempts to disguise ourselves, to take an inheritance that is not truly ours because we're not truly in you. Lord, you, you, all those clothes come off. But thank you so much for this amazing truth of the scriptures that though we don't deserve it as sinners and people whose hearts are full of compromise, we get clothed in the clothes of Jesus Christ. We get covered in the, right, the righteous robes of Jesus and we get brought in before our father who says, here's your inheritance. Well, well, how did I get in here? I don't deserve to be in here. I've disguised myself now, not in my own works and my own filthy rags, but I'm disguised in the clothes of Jesus Christ. I, I'm in him. Thank you, Father, you look at me and you see your son, Jesus, who didn't compromise, who lived perfectly, who lived the life I can never live, who gave up himself for me, who never once erred from the path of holiness. Thank you amazingly because of the gospel that I can say, I'm now a saint. I'm a holy one. I'm in Jesus. Lord, that's the life I want to walk in. And I want my friends to walk in here. That's the life Crawley and the nations of the world need to see disciples living in. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, come transform us today. Oh God, thank you. Maybe there's something specific you need to repent of. Maybe there's, oh yeah, Jesus, my life. Or oh, not that part. What, what are the idols? The golden calf parts? Just speak them to the Lord now. Don't, let's not dare lift our hands in worship and go away with areas of our hearts that we haven't given lordship of to Jesus Christ. Maybe there's things you need to go home and talk about with a friend or in your small group or with a husband or a wife. Jesus, I give you everything. We repent. Every false dependency, every scheme. Maybe there are some here still relying on a religious scheme. Going to church, reading your Bible, doing enough, behaving well enough. Maybe you've come through the orthodox faith where it's been Jesus plus, Jesus plus. Maybe you've come through the Catholic faith where it's Jesus and other things. Hey, we repent of all of that this morning. We come only to you, Jesus Christ, unclothed and ready to be clothed in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just inviting you to pray now for a moment. Lift your own heart before the Lord. Pray in the Spirit. Invite Jesus. <laughs> we had the pleasure on Wednesday with Alpha of saying, are there people here ready to make Jesus Lord of their lives? We're going to pray a prayer. We're going to invite him in. And for the first time, somebody gave their life to Jesus. It's amazing. You know, we, we, we don't, if you're already a follower of Jesus, you don't have to do that again. But I think it's good to say, Jesus, I do give you my life again. <laughs> I do invite you. I, I, want, I, I don't want to drift away from you being Lord. I will not have a golden calf or a disguise in my life. Give me a life again this morning. Yeah, if you've never followed Jesus, Please let someone know I need to follow him. We'll pray with you right now this morning. Thank you, Jesus.